0: Raven, it is time to condense three months of news into definitely not more than an hour. Everybody and welcome to another edition of the Making Fun podcast. My name is Casey Johnson, and alongside me, as always, is my lifelong friend, my favorite bird at and Stab Miller. Raven Stab Miller, Raven. How
1: That's are me. you, friend? I'm doing okay. It's been it's been a long little bit at work, but you know, I'm here. I'm big chilling, as it were. Yeah, chilling like a villain. I was going to make some more rhymes, but the only word I can think of is Krillin, and I'm not witty enough to come up with a Dragon Ball reference off the top of my head. <laughs> How are you doing?
0: I'm good. Um, su- Surprisingly, it has been like a really interesting hour for me. Okay, So sure. I got a message yesterday from my grandfather's second wife uh my step-grandmother and she um said hey i basically like my health is not the best and i still have a few things of your your grandpa some of his old like shirts and stuff so Mm -hmm. like if they um if something happens to me i want to make sure that like they end up going to you. So when you get some time, run over to my house. And so I, at about 5.15 or so, cause she just lives like three minutes from me. So I ran over sure. there real quick and she handed, you know, she gave me some of his shirts and uh, a couple of other things. And it was cool. Cause it was of like my grandpa's old band shirts. Um, cool. yeah. So it was, Definitely, like, some cool stuff that we can do with them. I think I'm going to give at least one of them to my mom. She likes to make uh, quilts out of her dad's old stuff. Um, But then she says... Oh, yeah, I got one one more thing. Here, hold on. And she brings in a CD. And, Raven, it is a CD of my grandpa's band from the late 70s. Whoa,
1: that's awesome.
0: And I'm like, why did you show me anything else? <laughs> like, let's... <laughs> and so I was like, here, give me a few minutes before we started recording, because I was yeah. running to my nearest Blu-ray player to throw it in there. Um yeah. And yeah sure enough it's it's my grandpa and his band from the 70s singing
1: Wow yeah that's crazy that's so cool though like just being like yeah everything is working out yeah <laughs> like like we uh recently experienced a loss in our uh, we recently experienced a loss in our family and like going up and um being with Emily while she was looking through. What I can only describe as a grandmother-sized collection of photographs. Yes. um, Was very interesting because obviously I've only been part of their family for, you know, five, six years. But watching her and her sister just get, like, really excited about all of the various different memories that they experienced was, like, always really fun. Yeah. Which is better than, like, any physical, tangible thing that you can hold, you know? Yeah. So very, very, very awesome to see that, but. So same thing for you, right? It's like having that 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 like piece of their his, their life, right? Yeah. Their history,
0: and it, it it's always, really oh, cool. like it spurs me on because I've been wanting to. We've got somewhere out in our garage, and it oh. you you know how you know how garages are. We know which pile it's in approximately, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've got a box of like VHS tapes, and some of them are my grandpa's old bands. And um, Tim, who is our lead player in Night Owl, he, like, knew everybody that my grandpa knew. Like, I mentioned somebody that he was in a band with, and he was like, oh, I was in a band with him. It, like, it, it's kind of uncanny how they know all the same people. So right. he's got this weird, intangible connection to my grandfather, besides the fact that, like... My I, I am in possession of it was it was willed to me, my my grandpa's guitar that he played with for um I mean yeah. he bought it when it came out in nineteen seventy four. It's a twenty fifth anniversary Gibson Les Paul. Yeah, yeah, And I when I got with Night Owl, I, I cause Tim was already asking in his memory do you mind if I would play it at a couple of shows? And then it just so happened that I was sitting behind the drum set for the first night that he was already going to play with it. And so it's, it's, he reminds me a lot of my grandpa in a lot of ways, but the one opportunity he's never gotten is to actually hear my grandpa. So I'm going to make sure that he gets a copy of this CD and I'm going to make sure that um, I can get him because I'm going to convert that VHS to digital so that, you know, there's no degradation over time and all that crap. And mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure that he gets to see it. And it's awesome to, it's, it's the kind of things, the kind of memories that most people don't have of their family. Like both of my grandfathers were on recorded albums. <laughs> so <laughs> I've just got these MP3 files on my computer. So it's super dope.
1: Yeah, no, that's super awesome. That's uh... Digitizing, ah, man, that's so cool. I'm so happy for you.
0: So, with that being said, I I think we've vamped enough here. Um, This is part two of Catching Up. And this is...
1: We're sorry this episode is also late. (laughs) Yeah,
0: real life got in the way again, but... um...
1: Crazy how that happens, huh?
0: (laughs) But... This we're going to enter and perhaps this is what the the news segment should just be called from now on, because I I would deem this except over three months as opposed to um a week, which I guess it would normally be, but like this is the news according to our friendship. And here's what I mean by that. Mm-hmm this is all of the stuff that we felt was important enough to send to one another. <laughs> and I think it says something about us. Cause this is going to be everything that we have sent to each other over the course of the last three months. And I only have, I only have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight stories of which to speak. Yeah. And I would say for the most part, this is not important things have happened in the industry that we have not bothered to talk about. <laughs> right. Let's put it that way. This is very much just what was relevant to us.
1: Yeah, exactly. This is things that we specifically pointed out and I'm like, Oh, well, I, I, I want that. And so, yeah, the, the, yeah, I have nothing else to comment. I was going to say something else. So nothing else to comment. This is the things that we thought were very important that we wanted to make sure each other saw while we were on our little unplanned hiatus. Yes. So. And here we are.
0: I guess let's get the most painful one
1: out of the way. Uh, I cry every time, rip my heart out of my chest, From cut my life into pieces. Uh, from July
0: 1st. In. Of 2022, and by the way, for those of you that are counting, you're like, does that mean that they don't think anything important happened in June? You you bet your sweet Bippy it does. Name (laughs) me three important
1: game things that happened in June. I'll
0: wait. Um, Although, to be clear, all right, the the video game showcases that were important that happened in June, we did record. It just didn't get... um, They're lost to time. Sucker punch. Well, they're not even. <laughs> no, they're well, there. They're I just, <laughs> just. Yeah. Um, suckerpunch.com cool. Now they're talking about infamous two maintenance and, and but there's a disappointing, life shattering little nugget. In here that says, as we approach 25 years since Sucker Punch first opened, we're proud to look back on the legacy of characters and stories we've created, from Rocket, Robot on Wheels, to Sly Cooper, and Infamous, and most recently, Ghost of Tsushima. As our games continue to grow in scale and complexity, they require the full attention of our studio. With our focus on our current project, we have no plans to revisit Infamous or Sly Cooper right now and no other studio is currently working on projects related to those franchises either. These characters are very special and near and dear to our hearts, so while we'd never say never to reopening those doors down the road, there are currently no Infamous or Sly Cooper games in development. And this is an indirect response to a rumor that had been floating around for a bit, that there was a supplementary studio who was working on remasters um, and or remakes. Obviously, that nomenclature is really weird now, but Infamous 1 and 2 and the Sly Cooper games. And now we know that that is not the case, which is tragic, Raven, for a number of reasons, but the person that, I feel most sorry for is my friend Dawson who twice to three times a week, he would mention that rumor. Yeah. And when I tell you it ruined his week when this happened, like, it was one of those things where randomly he would just bring up how hurt he was.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. This is uh everything this is everything everybody has to do at work today, you know. We gotta make sure that the shelves are stocked and uh, oh no, here comes Dawson. He walks up and it's just like <laughs> Well
0: that's just you normal. Guys remember,
1: you guys remember Infamous? I don't know how he sounds, but yeah, You, you I, were shockingly close. <laughs> it's just I, I feel that on a personal level, right? Yeah. yeah. But there is a silver lining in all of this. They haven't given it to another studio to fuck it up.
0: Yeah, that's, So they might that's come true.
1: back eventually. Yeah. So whatever it comes out, it will be good, given Sucker Punch's current track record with the games that they've been releasing.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I mean, especially considering I'm still working my way through Ghost of Tsushima, and Nia just played and 100%ed second son Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so it's which it's weird to think that like we would be playing second son and I'm like the next thing that they released was the samurai game it's crazy
1: yeah Um, yeah
0: but for me I think the disappointment comes into the fact that particularly infamous one and two I think are prime candidates that a a remake or a remaster would be like perfect for them yeah um because I've made a couple of different attempts to play those games I did not play them when they first came out I never owned a ps3 ever until like mm-hmm. last year um yeah and Dawson and I often lament this amongst ourselves. They are part of that little nugget of history that they just do not quite hold up. It's a little tough to go back to, especially mm. if Second Son was your first experience with Infamous. Yes. Um, And I would love the chance to properly play and appreciate them without yeah. being like oh man i bet this was awesome at the time
1: yeah i i'd it's one of those things that it'd be great if instead of like a new game obviously as much as i'd want on a new game it'd be just as cool to see them do like a uh a remaster of one and two in the second Sun engine yeah just with that with how much more free and open it felt i think it'd be a lot lot cooler
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: but who knows if and when that will happen <laughs>
0: yeah and i i do kind of find it a little mind-boggling sure that they are i mean ghost of tsushima obviously so good, and a big success, and blah, 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 blah. But with superheroes in general being consistently the, the movies that are like, make no mistake, keeping the movie business alive with the amount of revenue that they're bringing in, with their popularity it is mind boggling to me that they're not doing like that infamous wasn't as soon as avengers endgame came out or even infinity war they should have been like yeah infamous is the next thing people like their superheroes
1: yeah i don't know i i think i think the other part of this is just like <laughs> nowadays people are getting on the it's like one of the things is like people like their superheroes. On the other hand, people are getting tired of their superheroes, right? I, I am of the. I like to think I am of the middle ground of like I wouldn't care if I never saw another superhero thing kind of thing. And obviously, that's not like the majority, but I am not the only person who feels burnt out by the MCU's constant, um, looming visage over the entertainment industry currently but we'll get into that more later
0: (laughs) yeah and it is also important to note that you know some of this is isolated incidents too because like the numbers certainly do not support the notion that even a like a large portion of the market or a sizable enough portion of the market is that burnt out um, like the, the movies are still doing incredible numbers, so I would think that there would still be something there for them to do. Um, but nevertheless, Skate 4, I've been waiting, I, 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 I've been waiting a couple of months to talk to you about this. I've been excited. So Skate 4, officially now called Skate, this is from July 14th, and cool, Skate 4 is called Skate, They're, it's a reboot type of deal, awesome. My thing is, the bigger news is that it is free-to-play, cross-play, and cross-progression. And of those three, I think free-to-play is the biggest thing for me. For sure. And, weirdly enough, there was a lot of backlash... From the free to play thing. And I, I guess I shouldn't say weirdly enough, because there are certainly a lot of free to play games that do not uphold the concept of consumer confidence, particularly with their microtransactions. But there are a couple of different reasons that I think that this is by far, and it's not even close, the best direction they could have taken with this game. hmm Number one. In regards to their microtransactions, they have set four internal rules for themselves. Those four rules are these. No pay-to-win, no map areas locked behind paywall, no paid loot boxes, and no paid gameplay advantages. What this is going to mean is microtransactions are going to be merely cosmetic. They are not going to have anything to do with gameplay. And you are going to know what you're buying. Or, at the very least, you are going to know that you're buying the currency to buy this specific thing, whatever plan they decide to implement. Yeah, And in the case, it makes me think of a couple of months ago, and by a couple of months ago, I mean a couple of months ago in podcast time, so like five months ago, <laughs> <laughs> when we were talking about Game Pass, and the the numbers have shown that consumers still feel inclined to pay money for games that they got on Game Pass. Whether Mm -hmm. that be purchasing it outright with the discount, but more so in the cases of microtransactions. The numbers show that if you get a game for free, you will feel compelled to give the developer a little bit of money as a reward because you didn't pay for their game. This model is the kind of thing that can bring back the era of the double A. Where it's not a small indie game, but it's not a huge budget triple A title. And for a company like EA, Skate is a passion project for this team, right? And so Skate probably would not get released if they weren't working with this model. I just... I think that before everybody jumps to conclusions, it pays to look at all of the circumstances surrounding it, and I think this was a really smart move.
1: Yeah. People have been memeing about this game forever and they have a very passionate team behind it who just wants to develop it, and there's obviously a market out there for it, and they're like, all right. Obviously, the skate hype is a meme, right? It is a very funny thing to do to hop on and said, "When Skate 4? Skate 4? Skate 4. And now they have to be like, okay, well, we have to get some sort of retention for this. Hmm. And so they're like, okay, we'll just release a free-to-play game, Cosmetics. Easy peasy. And being very... I like... It's very, very rare to for fans to be aware of a game this early in development, and it's rarer still for the developers to be as open and honest as the developers for Skate are. Yeah, and I think that says a lot about them as well because most people being able to come out and say what your what your uh, your pay model is is really important. This is the, side, the kind of stuff that you have to tell your. Your, um, your board, the people who are paying your checks and like making sure that you are able to make this game. Mm. That's the kind of question you have to tell them, and you might as well just come out to the people that are buying it, going to be buying your microtransactions later and be like, yeah, this is what it is. If anything, I imagine what's going to happen is microtransactions that are just going to be, like you said, purely cosmetic, that will range from anywhere from like small little skater collabs of like real-life skate brands leading up to the weirdness that like Assassin's Creed Valhalla gets to, where you can yeah. walk around on a giant unicorn, right?
0: Not to mention oh. individual licensing deals with the likenesses of skaters. Yeah. Uh, if yeah. I had to guess in this particular game, there's going to be a very in-depth character creator, but then also if they do a licensing deal with a Tony Hawk, with a Rob deerdeck or with the people who are skating these days, whoever they are, um, yeah. then they would be, rather than making it more sports-oriented, where everybody has their own stats, they would probably end up being a skin, right? And yeah. that is a way to get a little bit of money, Out of your consumers, by the way, probably lifetime these consumers will not be paying $60 total, but it Mm -hmm. will keep it afloat. And they, the beautiful thing is, this is a platform, right? And they will support this platform to the exact specifications of how much their consumer base supports this platform. Because if they have good returns... And by the way, let's not act like this is the only money that they're making from the game. Brands are going to pay to have their stuff in the game. There's going to be sponsorship and advertising just like there is in anything related to any kind of sport. But... They, if they are seeing good microtransaction numbers and it continues to be healthy and the internet proves that this is something that the internet actually wanted and it wasn't actually a cry wolf thing, then we could see years and years of support for this game. If not, we get maybe two years of support and eventually it becomes a thing of the past and you know, 10 years from now the servers are shut down but it places the onus on the consumer to say, how bad did you actually want it? Because we need your help to keep it afloat.
1: Yep. Yep. I, sorry, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, like, I can't wait to just like get in an online lobby and just play skate. Yeah. This is going to have that same kind of feeling of like when it comes out. That Fall Guys did, where I just, like, have a bunch of friends, and we all just, like, sit down and, like, dink around and skate around and have fun. And I'm just excited to just, you know, have a good time. I think this game is going to be the game to do it. But, you know, we have a couple years to wait, so not holding my breath.
0: Well, it's time for AC Watch once again. Two reports from two separate weeks. This one broke on June 14th when Assassin's Creed announced that there will be a future of Assassin's Creed event in September. That's going to be a big deal. But then we get this report from Kotaku. And according to Kotaku... Right now, there are multiple Assassin's Creed games in development. There is Project Rift, which Project Rift is described as a standalone Valhalla DLC, um, yeah. which is going to essentially fill holes in the release calendar. I. Now, personally, what I think is probably going to end up being the case, given given the way that that game went, is this is going to be where you play as Bossom, right? It has to be.
1: Yeah, That's that's the rumors that I've been seeing and the speculations that I've been hearing, and I think it makes sense because... Now, don't get me wrong, Assassin's Creed has definitely dropped the ball before on release like kind of just leaving these cliffhangers like we still don't know what happened to the person in black flag Mm -hmm. like that whole like real life section just got dropped but i definitely think with the popularity especially of valhalla that they would want to be like yeah let's let you have play as bossy and like this will be after the events of the raid on paris and you get to see kind of how avor came to the what becomes the united states
0: Yes, um, because the one thing that we never learned with Avor's journey is how and why Avor ended up buried, where yeah. he got buried. He yeah. he she. I don't I don't know exactly which one is
1: canon. They. Yeah. I I think it's just easiest to say that because honestly, honestly, I've really liked how Ubisoft has portrayed Avor kind of as like a minor thing here. They've like back and forth in their marketing materials and their ads they've had both male and female. Right. To co- which really like solidifies it being your own choice. Um which I think is really cool. So I just refer to Avor as they typically or he because that's the one I chose to play in my recent playthrough.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I I I chose the male as where as well. Mostly because um the female sounded like she had just smoked eighteen packs of cigarettes. Um And I, I couldn't deal with the scruffiness of, sure. of the voice. Um, so on top of that, there is this idea also called Project Red, which Bloomberg's Jason, uh, Jason Schreier has reported that Red is actually part of this Assassin's Creed Infinity concept yeah. that we have seen floating around. And, of course, Assassin's Creed fin- Infinity is, has been sort of this nebulous concept that we've been hearing about. But, Raven, for those who may not know, what is Infinity? Or what is, reportedly, Infinity?
1: Infinity seems to be rumored to be an idea of an Assassin's Creed game in which it isn't like what we've been seeing with it's nothing like anything that we've seen before. It takes a character, either new or old, and will give you a short story that you get to walk around in the world on in an episodic sort of adventure. So you have, like, the one here for Project Red uh, is rumored to possibly be set in Asia as part of Assassin's Creed Infinity, so you'd be playing as an Asian assassin walking through a time period in Asia, and you get to see this, like, bite-sized area and Assassin's Creed Infinity would kind of be like the game launcher for it. You would buy Assassin's Creed Infinity or get it for free, I imagine, and then ha- be able to purchase downloadable content in the future for the stories that right. you want to play. Yeah. Um, which, if this is true, I am very excited about because I just want more contained Assassin's Creed, and this is exactly, exactly. what I will get. And that, with that Infinity, that... I think.
0: That's another thing, and we've talked about this before on the show, but, like, a lot of people, again, as soon as they heard the words live service, because live service has been done so terribly so many times, people started immediately crapping all over it. And what I think people have to understand is if you get a $15 story, right? Like, I, I think about the beginning of... um of assassin's creed four where it's like the little um there's a little abstergo launcher and like you choose the pirate one yeah but then yeah. there's the other ones uh, that are yeah. there um
1: i think it wasn't it wasn't for black flag i think you're it's for unity is the one it's for minor semantic is, yeah but i'm pretty sure it's unity because it's you end up like going back to a siege in like a european thing because i wanted to show it. anyway it doesn't matter and um, the point is is that you have this launcher and that you could choose what assassin to play as
0: right and i think then if you could get th- this is my question that i asked the consumer if you could spend 15 dollars for an assassin's Creed... let's say an assassin's creed two-sized game, maybe a little bit smaller. That's essentially what we're talking about. Granted, I don't know if it's going to be at the $15 price point or anything like that, but these smaller contained stories, people are acting like it's only going to be two-hour DLC. Like, they're going to be smaller contained games from what I'm hearing, which basically sounds like a return to form. So, for the Assassin's Creed purists like ourselves that like our Valhalla's but miss our Assassin's Creed 2's we get that and then every once in a while we get a big open world RPG to to smack around as well I don't think I, I don't see a downside to Assassin's Creed Infinity and it looks like we're also getting some standalone DLC too so I assume that we will know more much much more in September
1: yeah uh, it, we're in this part of Assassin's Creed right where we recognize that Valhalla does well as its own standalone thing. Yeah. But people have been complaining about the form and the function of Valhalla for, or for Assassin's Creed for a long, long time. And Hmm. so I think we're going to be seeing kind of both sides of this. We have these giant expansive open world games that Assassin's Creed is. And then we have Infinity being the return to form. And honestly, even if it's like $10 for like a five hour story, I'd pay that every once in a while just to be like, oh, I like this setting. I like this history idea. And then pop in there and do it.
0: Besides when they inevitably sell, like, the sets of them. I mean, come on.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's, like, not not like there's not going to be a sale. There's so many different things that can go on.
0: (sighs) Well, speaking a little bit earlier of I Cry Every Time. I, I would like to pivot over to something that... Frankly, I'm a little bit angry that we even now know that it existed. Because yeah. I am so sad that it did not come to fruition. I got a little sick to my stomach when I read this. hmm So, Avalanche Studios who you may know as the team behind the Just Cause series, were years deep in development of an open-world Iron Man game. And when the Disney-Marvel merger took place, they they pulled the plug. And... You know, Raven, even as a lapsed superhero fan such as yourself. This still is a little bit of a gut punch, is it not? Because that would have been so
1: dope. Yeah, well. It would have been cool with our knowledge of how video game movie video games are made now. With like a Spider-Man level quality of a game. One thing that I think that really needs repeating and, like, to be emphasized, this game was canceled in 2012. I cannot think of a good movie video game that was made in 2012.
0: hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This was not a movie video game.
1: Or, regardless, like, a video game. Like, uh, a video game based off of an IP of, like, a comic book character or a movie or a popular media that's getting into the video game field. Could the just cause people have been the people to do it? I mean, probably, but I had thought, cause I didn't get this link. I just saw like the headline and kind of read through the tweet and whatnot. Um, I didn't realize how long ago this had actually been canned, but, Okay,
0: but okay, here's my thing. Just Cause 3 came out, like, three years later. So, sure. what what I'm saying is, with their knowledge, right, of flying mechanics and gunplay and gunplay while you're flying, my personal theory is that this probably, they took the engine that they had developed and this kind of turned into Just Cause 3 a little bit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And knowing how good Just Cause 3 was, it's the most pure fun I've ever had playing a video game. Running around, flying around, wingsuit, parachute, traversal, blowing things up. Imagining the Just Cause 3 format because they were in development for a couple of years before it was ultimately canceled around 2012. So, presumably, this places it around a 2014 2015 release date, which is right at where the Just Cause 3 time slot and uh, they also released Mad Max around that time ended up being. So, assuming that that was the game that we were getting, it hurts.
1: I mean, it could... You have to keep in mind, right? I think that this game would have been fun for the people who would have enjoyed it. You're talking to somebody who is burnt out on superheroes and has never played a Just Cause game. Mm. I can empathize for you, but I am not the target demo to wallow with, if that makes sense. I can understand that this game would have been great with the knowledge that I have based on the IP of what Iron Man is and of what Just Cause is. And honestly, in 2015, I probably would have picked up just cause Iron Man, right? Mm. Cause that sounds like it would have been neat, but I have been on the receiving end of many games that have been canceled in development. And so it's just one of those things of like, I feel immune to it at this point. Yeah. It is one of those things of like, ah, another one, but no, I think this would have been one of the few games to do it. It's a shame. It didn't happen.
0: I I, I think part of the hurt that I feel is because games based on the first two Iron Man movies came out produced by Sega and they were terrible, they were bad games. Yeah. And then we recently, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, got the Avengers game, which has been a two-year-long, two and a half-year-long dumpster fire at this point. And knowing that with movies based off of, or with games based off of IP specifically, there's so many like near misses of, ah, they just picked the wrong studio to do it, or whatever the case may be, that knowing that this studio's skill set would have worked so well with this IP, is like, it's... It's it's like a fever dream. It's unfathomable to me that there's test footage of it out there somewhere, you know?
1: Yeah. Oh well. I I I wonder if the test footage will maybe maybe eventually see the light of day just with the Iron Man light removed on it kind yeah. of thing. Like but there, there's a whole IP that they can't really... They can talk about it, but they can't really show it kind of thing. Yeah. So. Uh,
0: well, speaking of that IP, um, potentially one of the low-key, bigger gaming showcases that we could have to look forward to this year is taking place now on September 9th, hosted by Blessing Adeoye Jr. from Kinda Funny. At D23... There's going to be a Disney and Marvel Games showcase. Now, I'll tackle this back to front. The The Marvel part, we kind of know what to expect, right? There's going to be some Marvel games, and they are going to to be showcased. Might get something on, like, Spider-Man 2. Um, I, you know, I doubt we'll see anything about Wolverine. There's definitely going to be some stuff on Midnight Suns, and we're getting the reveal of whatever um, Amy Hennig's game is going to be, which is being described as an ensemble game. So that means it is some sort of a group of heroes. Um, So that's going to be interesting to just see what that is. But if we can back up to the beginning, the Disney part, even as a massive Marvel fan The Disney part of that is perhaps what interests me the most because this is now taking into account anything Star Wars is fair game. Anything based on any Pixar IP is fair game. Of course, we're going to get a a new reveal from like Disney Dreamlight Valley. Um, upon further inspection, they have released things about Kingdom Hearts before. So it seems a little bit early for that, but I don't know, maybe there's a teaser or even just like a logo or something like that.
1: Yeah, it's but, possible not not then, outside of the realm of possibility.
0: Also, after the Fox merger, this also involves. Anything that is connected to any 20th century Fox IP. So Avatar is in there. Plus, it's not just Star Wars, it's Lucasfilm. So that opens us up for things like Indiana Jones too, um, which was revealed as being a thing, and then we haven't really heard more about it. Um, so I think that there's a lot of, (laughs) there's a lot of really interesting underlying layers to this that even for the, for the person who has the superhero burnout, this could end up being a really weird, interesting showcase for them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think it's, we've seen a lot of publisher, like, conferences up to this point with Nintendo, Xbox, and PlayStation Directs, essentially. Yeah. But this is the first that we've seen on, like, Disney scale. And I say Disney scale, not to say that Disney is smaller than any of the three companies I just mentioned. In fact, it's larger than the three put together. But more of just, like, a... Disney isn't really in the games field as much as other th- pieces of media. So it's going to be trying really hard to get into that field. So I'm kind of interested. We'll probably also on the Disney side, see that animal crossing stardew Valley game that they talked about where you go around and save all the Disney characters. That'll probably be talked about a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think it's super interesting. I, I, I'm not getting my hopes up for anything, uh, but if something comes out of it, that'd be pretty cool.
0: Yeah. and like you if, know, if we do
1: get some news, that'd be awesome.
0: It's it's weird that they are... So, for context, right, this is a part of the, the D23 Expo, which is like Disney's own little Comic-Con. Mm-hmm and when i say own and little both of those are <laughs> are in quotation marks because it is straight up disney's comic con to the point where this is the day before the like the big mcu panel which historically the and of, of course this is not a a movie podcast but it th- this kind of pertains to how disney sees d23 right historically before d23 became such a big thing during 2020 um at comic con in san diego is where all of the big like mcu star wars reveal panels all of that stuff is this year at the san diego comic con they had like a bunch of stuff pop up with a bunch of question marks and they give you a they gave you a few things but like Whereas, for instance, we got a date for the Fantastic Four movie, but we did not get the cast. Presumably they are saving the cast for D23. We, you know, all of this stuff is happening and we got announcements of projects, but no real meat on the bone. D23 is their meat on the bone place. So, considering that they obviously have some understanding of Disney and Marvel and their place in gaming because since the Marvel Games initiative have started, they didn't try to do the Lucasfilm games thing, right? Where they just like start up their own studios. They've been outsourcing. They've been giving these projects to studios who, in most cases, can handle them. The fact, too, that they got Blessing um, from Kinda Funny to host it, who... Blessing is one of like the main guys on their content, but it would have been a lot easier to get a guy like Greg Miller or Tim Gettys or one of the guys who have hosted a lot of things in the gaming industry before rather than taking the big swing on Blessing. To me, it shows an understanding that I don't think... We would be expecting from the company of Disney at this time. But I think all of the signs are pointing to they might, they just might know what they're doing. And they obviously know enough to stream it, which like the MCU reveal stuff isn't even going to be streamed. We're just, I'm just going to have to refresh Twitter for an hour, right? But this is going to be a big, big deal. And it seems like they're handling it in the way that the gaming industry likes to be handled. So I guess that's the best that I can say for it. But to me right now, it's leading me in at least a, a halfway solid direction.
1: They have a lot of cool stuff they're going to show off, and I'm excited to hear you talk about it because I'm going to be driving when this is happening, so I'll have to get the recap.
0: Mm, Don't worry. I got you, buddy. (laughs) So here's a weird one, and I, you know, Raven, you and I had a, a pretty long talk about this one over text message, but I, it just gets more confusing to me the more that, I think about it. Mm-hmm. So, PlayStation has been hit with a nearly $6 billion lawsuit for ripping people off on digital video games. And this is a consumer advocacy right uh, group, a consumer rights advocacy group, rather, in the UK. Mm-hmm. And they are suing Sony for charging a 30% commission fee on all digital purchases made through the UK PlayStation Store. This is basically a class action lawsuit that seeks to distribute billions of dollars to players all over the UK who have been scammed by PlayStation. Which I think is the first interesting wrinkle of this is this is not... On behalf of the developers who have to pay the commission fee. This is not on behalf of anything other than just like people who they believe have had to pay more for games because of said commission. One of the lawyers who took on this case um, for some reasons, um, was quoted as basically saying that they have a, and this is a quote, near monopoly on the sale of digital PlayStation games. Literally, the lawyer said, Sony dominates the digital distribution of PlayStation games and in-game content. It has deployed an anti-competitive strategy which has resulted in excessive prices to consumers that are out of all proportion to the cost Sony providing its services. Um, Now, maybe I look at this differently, since I work at a video game resale store. But at the establishment at which i work we typically pay approximately 40 to 50% of what we sell it for right if you sell us a a blu-ray for a dollar it's like 399 if you sell us a laptop we pay you 250 for it it it'll most likely be a 499.99 item
1: hmm.
0: so I'm having trouble understanding exactly to me the entire what they're suing for question kind of runs itself in circles because of first of all of course Sony has a monopoly on PlayStation games they're they're Sony they made they, they made the games like,
1: hmm.
0: the, the example that I've been using to people, right, is on its face, it kind of seems like suing Amazon because they're setting all of the prices for the Amazon Basics products. And it's like, well, they make those. But, but then you have the whole commission question, which, by the way, a 30% commission is pretty much an industry standard. So I I I don't know why PlayStation specifically would be the defendant in this case, when like Nintendo and Microsoft, they, I, I I I believe they all charge about thirty percent as well.
1: So so let's let's take a let's take a analytical look at this right would you be just as perplexed if they did a six million six billion dollar lawsuit against nintendo and or xbox instead of playstation yes okay so it's not necessarily that you're confused as to why it's playstation you're just confused as to why it's happening your argument you've also you also kind of told me that like it's complaining that amazon's only selling amazon basics products the difference being that if i go to buy an amazon's basics hdmi cable right and i go well you know i'm going to go buy a different brand of H- i'm going to go buy this hdmi cable somewhere else the the difference is is that playstation isn't making every single game that's on the marketplace in fact they're making shockingly few so it's it, it's less of i'm going to go buy the amazon basics one and more of a i'm going to go buy an hdmi cable on the internet i have the i have the choice between amazon best buy target walmart and the list goes on i think what they're trying to say is that to purchase a digital game you have to go through playstation which by definition being forced to purchase something through one singular avenue could be considered a monopoly i don't think that this is a monopoly
0: but e- I want to get even, that out there. Even even but so, though, you can buy digital codes on other retailers too.
1: Sometimes that you can't buy a hundred percent of digital codes, right? I can't go and buy a digital code like going to uh, let's see, like GameStop or something. They don't have a hundred percent of the PlayStation Store marketplace on GameStop's website. That being said, I, I like I said, I, it sounds like I'm being contrarian and against you. I also agree with you that I think this sounds a little bit silly, but I think that their ground has a little... I think that their stance has a little bit more credence than what you're allowing them to have. Like, being able to say there's nothing else on the PlayStation Marketplace to purchase... There's nothing else on PlayStation for me to purchase digital products is, at its face value factually correct but it, it, like you were saying you can buy digital codes elsewhere it's not it's not a one and done thing what really this opens up precedents for future cases is it okay for digital manufacturers to only have one available store on their platform because this can open up to things such as smartphones and smart tvs mm. Anything that only has one store to purchase things from, right? Like on my Pixel, on my Pixel 4a 5G, before I had changed it out, I had only the Google Store, the Play Store. But on my new S22 Ultra, I have the Play Store and the Galaxy Store, so I can choose which one of the two I want to get an app from. Rarely will it come up that there's a huge pricing difference between one of the two apps at all. I'm going to be doing most of my app downloading through the Play Store, right? But I think that they're trying to put out a big number to see to get into headlines, and they're trying to see what they can do and how they can push this to make a legal precedence change. I does that make sense? it It does except for one thing. Sure. well, I, I get
0: I guess two things. Number one, this is. I, I I okay, I, I guess it all comes down to one fundamental fundamental point for me, which mm. is all of this would make sense if they were advocating on behalf of
1: developers.
0: But this <laughs> this is
1: their 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 claim is that the thirty percent cost to keep the PlayStation Store operational, which is the only store that you can purchase from, is charging consumers 30% off the top to pay for PlayStation to keep their store open. Their argument here is that they're trying to say you can on- PlayStation is making it to where you can only buy from their store and developers are charging 30% extra to meet their price so that way Sony can cut off the top. Their, their their argument, from what I'm understanding, kind of glancing through it, I haven't read through the actual legal documentation. Um, is is such that the it's like this thing of the uh, PlayStation and the other developers that are on their platform are kind of working together to get more money out of people in the UK, which is a t- is a hot subject right now because the world has been through a recession. Not a huge one, mind you, but it has been on a downward trend of money available just due to various worldly reasons. This is also... There's a very important paragraph at the bottom. Um, is that the what we have talked about before, the Epic versus Apple argument, in which Epic was upset that they had to pay a 30% fee To Apple, which that makes more sense whenever you think about it, because Epic is the one who has to pay that 30% commission. But all of that money just goes to Epic when in reality, the person who's paying that premium is the person who's paying for the product, right? See, and that's the thing is I'm
0: not so sure. And of course this, I guess is the crux of the legal argument, but I'm not so sure that that is the case. I, I don't. You're not
1: sure that the, uh, to, to clarify, just so I'm on the same page, that it's the, the 30% is paid by the, um the, the people, the people who are purchasing the product. You don't think that they're paying right, the 30% right, right, right. or is it something else?
0: I correct. But let me, let me put it this way, right? For a $70 game, the if you take 30% off of a $70 game, you bring it to 50, right? It's 49 is $49. Yeah. yeah. So, let's say that PlayStation says magically tomorrow does away with the 30% commission fee. And I'm going to buy Saints Row, which I'm not. Um, We'll get to that later. (laughs) But I'm I'm going to pay $70 for Saints Row. So tomorrow they take away the commission fee. Do you think that THQ is going to be like, great, that 30% no longer comes off the top So we're going to lower the price. Of course not. Of course not, right? At the end of the day, the the games are going to be what they're going to be. And this is where the why PlayStation question that I've I've been asking comes into effect. Or rather, why any specific one of these stores when basically all of them are taking the 30% off the top? Because... If you buy the game, and again, now we're not talking digitally, but by the way, games are printed on disc too, and they're the same price. So... Not okay.
1: Not every game. You can't go out and buy Stray on right, the right,
0: right, 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 right. No, I mean,
1: I think, I think that's the big thing that we also have to recognize too.
0: But if you buy this game. Or if you buy a code or something like that directly from the yeah. the developer. And like if I were to go on saintsrow.com and buy the game from them, which I'm not. But if I were, same price. Sure. Yeah. And the only difference in where you buy it is how much of that money ends up going to... To the developer I, I reject the, the legal notion that because of this 30% we the consumer are being ripped off I think there's more of a case to be made that it's unfair to the developer that that perhaps I I can get behind a little bit better yeah. but it's impossible for them to file that kind of litigation on behalf of the developer. Because the developers all signed these agreements.
1: Right. And like I said, like I said at the top, I don't disagree with you. I think that this is a very weird case for them to try and take the stance on.
0: Yeah, why but, Why this hill,
1: you know? Why the, Exactly, why this hill? But I've also seen weirder things come out of weird hills to die on from the UK, right? We We've seen Apple and other phone manufacturers being forced to swap to type C charging to have your phone be for sale in the UK. Yeah. Which I will be on the record to say, and I think it's a non-controversial opinion here, is a good thing. I think it's a good thing that all phone chargers are starting to be uniform and we're getting rid of micro USB type C lightning, all that stuff, and just going to USB C. We've seen kind of these odd tech things going on that I'm interested to see where it goes from here because digital marketplaces are still you know, a really... Digital marketplaces for digital goods are still a very, very recent thing in the history of commerce. Mm. And so trying to figure out what the correct percentage to charge for a game is, is what's going to be taking on the most. I'm actually curious. I don't... This doesn't change anything. Um, I'm curious as to how much Steam... Gets from a game whatever they sell it.
0: Um, uh, whatever I would games assume, are sold on
1: Steam, I, I would assume. They also 30%. it's also a thirty percent. Yeah, because so it's like um,
0: the article said basically everybody except the Epic Game Store charges the thirty percent commission.
1: Yeah. yeah. Okay. I miss I missed that part. Whenever I was I I I saw it, didn't recognize what it was said, and then I was yeah. like, Oh, how much Steam charge? Fair. But the thirty percent, you know, that is a little bit of money. That's 20 and obviously it costs a lot of money for them to maintain server stability yeah. and to maintain platforms online services all this stuff but we're already paying for an online service so that doesn't even matter it's server stability to hold these images and the huge network bandwidth it costs to be able to download from there i don't know if you've ever tried to download something from a non like like locally or something yeah um from like a network share and like 10 people try to download it at once on kind of crappy internet, it plummets. And so usually your download from steam or from wherever takes a little bit, but 70 on a 70, like we were saying earlier, $21 for a $70 game. That's a lot of money. Yeah.
0: And you know, th- and that's the thing, right? The, Is that if we, yeah. if we say, Hey, I think that we should cut this, to I understand you have to keep you know everything up and running, so yeah. let's cut it to fifteen percent so that these developers out here can um, eat name brand rather than um, uh, great value. That okay, cool. Let's you know let's let's start yeah. that. I'm down with that. But then you have the the notion <laughs> that this particular person who went to law school has still gone to. To, to file at the office that says, oh yeah, the consumers are paying more because of this. Like it's, it's almost like they're, they're choosing to die on the right hill, but they're like on the other side of the hill from where the actual fighting is.
1: <laughs> yeah. No it's like i said a very weird hill to die on very wrong not wrong is the wrong word to say but a very weird hill to die on um and i imagine unlike the apple and epic case we're not going to hear much about this one i imagine yeah this is not going to be poked well. into it and that will probably just kind of fizzle out but if it does it, i'm interested to see what the doesn't does well
0: let's end it out with legitimately one of the most disappointing
1: things ever. Oh, hey, wait, before we do this, so what happened with Pokemon? <laughs> uh, They announced some new Pokemon, they announced more information about the region, and they announced the new gimmick that they've been doing in every Pokemon game since X and Y. Um, They have also announced that they are changing the core gameplay premise of Pokemon, which is kind of weird. Um, So they're turning Pokemon in from a Pseudo open world on rails game to a completely open world. Take on the challenges as you want game. Mm. So they're changing it from your gym challenge of go to these eight gyms in order and then win. Right. Okay. They're changing that. They're drop and they're changing it to you're dropped into the starting town. You do a little bit of exposition story stuff at the beginning. You go to school, whatever. And then they're like, all right, all right, go have fun in the world and then you can just leave and walk around the story they've are the the map they've already confirmed that there's going to be three different storylines happening in the game at the beginning one of them is going to be finding a treasure which is your like um which is kind of like the capstone for the school that you're in which is an interesting premise uh the second one is the gym challenge and then the third one they haven't really talked about yet but the idea is that you just get to walk into the Pokemon world and you just get to walk around in it, as opposed to it being this non-open world linear game that it's been since really forever. So um,
0: I I feel like... Because I don't, I don't experience the Pokemon news when it happens. I just experience yeah. the ripple effect. Yeah. And it feels like there was... A larger ripple effect than what you just described to me d- deserved. I, it, it felt like to me like they had really like messed up or something. No, w-
1: with how I described it, or without the internet?
0: W- with how the internet described it.
1: The internet. Okay, so I'm gonna st- I'm gonna I'm gonna die on this hill. Pokemon fans are a bunch of crybaby bitches and don't know what they want. So they're complaining about everything because there's something to complain about. Pokemon doesn't do X, Y, Z, right? Why don't they do this? Why don't they do that? Shut up. I don't care. The game is going to be fun. It's changing the core fundamental that everybody's wanted changed forever of it being this on rails thing to an actual You get to go out and experience the world. You're going to go to places where the Pokemon there are too strong for you. You can't catch the wild Pokemon. But the town, the gym challenge is probably going to be set up to where you can walk in there and you can just do the gym challenge with the level Pokemon that you have because they're going to scale it accordingly. Pokemon fans have complained about everything since the beginning of Sword and Shield whenever they felt wronged that mega evolution wasn't returning and you couldn't play with every single pokemon in the po- in the decks, And quite frankly, they need to get over it and grow up because it's a fucking game and just let people enjoy it because they just want to. Sorry, I got I got a little oh, bit.
0: Oh, no, that's what I was hoping for, buddy. You're the fiddle, I'm a perfectly <laughs> rosined up bow. <beau.
1: laughs> I That that's mostly it. People want to complain about Pokemon because it's the popular and and like fad thing to do. Mm. Are there things that are going to be wrong with this Pokemon game? Yes. I'm not saying that Pokemon is perfect. There are a lot of problems with every Pokemon game.
0: Every game. But, let's just. I mean.
1: Yeah. Geez. With every game. There's a lot of problems. But with the widespread appeal of what Pokemon is, you know, these people who are acting in in malicious ways to try and piss off people like me they have more people that they can target with this if they just say, oh, this thing is bad. Mm-hmm. This thing sucks. This thing is bad. Because there are so many more people that play Pokemon. So, so, so many people play Pokemon. Um, for Sword and Shield, the the final metrics for the um, total number they sold outsold every other Pokemon game ever released. Sword and Shield sold a total of 15 million copies since the game's release in 2019. That's a lot of fucking games. That's like a lot of games. That is, hang on. Um, I'm pretty sure that at- out beats the next pop- most popular one by like 3 million copies. Mm. Um, and I obviously could be incorrect here. But I am stalling for time while I look for Pokemon games. Here we go. So Sword and Shield sold 14, sorry, uh, 13 million copies alone in Japan, I think is what it was. They have sold a total uh, quantity of 24.37 million copies as of the one that I am looking at here.
0: Mm.
1: Which is with a gross profit of 13 million dollars. Just gross Mm. amount of money. Made off of that game since it's released in 2019. Um, in comparison, the single game that so afterwards that sold is Pokemon Red or Red, Blue, and Yellow sold more obviously because they're fucking Red, Blue, and Yellow or Red, Green, and Blue. Sorry. Uh, the next closest one after Sword and Shield is Gold and Silver, at 23 million units sold. So it's just like these games. To, to, to what I'm getting at here on this tangent is that these games sell so many copies. And obviously, if somebody wants to be a shithead on the internet and, and make fun of it to get other people angry, they're going to do it with a game that's super popular mm. with a lot of people who are emotional about it because they're going to get emotional and angry about it, like me. So the world isn't upside down. There are some cool Pokemon being shown off. Uh, the developers of the game were hungry when they were making this game because there have been two food-based Pokemon shown out of the seven that they've announced. One of them is named Smallive because it is Olive that is small. Nice. The other one is named Fido because it's a dog made out of bread. Perfect. And it's just fun, you know? It, it's back to the turn-based mechanic, which I ha- I'm happy about because I hated the battles in Legends Arceus. It's back to the standard catching that it was in Sword and Shield, which sucks because I like drive-by throwing a Pokeball at something. Um, but yeah. Overall, I think this is a good direction for the series. I think it keeps the core of what Pokemon is without changing too much. And there's a whole other conversation I can get into about um, Pokemon and the big talk that they had with some of their shareholders recently and how they've been able to almost double their efficiency in working and like test more rapidly. But I can get into that at another time because I smelled dinner in the other room and I'm very hungry.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, one last thing to disappoint us on the way out. (laughs) Apparently Saints Row is pretty booty. Um, The it's user ranking Currently sits on Metacritic at a one point nine. Uh, Metascore has it at sixty seven. Um. At best, it's pretty much considered okay, pre- good. Um, and at worst, it's being considered bad. Yeah. Um. Which sucks. Um, This game could have been really good. (laughs) Yeah. But.
1: Whenever they released a character creator as the demo and didn't just call it a character creator demo, that kind of should have set off some red flags. Yeah. In my, to, to me, right? I should have been a little bit more like, huh, I wonder why they did that. But, no. Some... The, the biggest problems i imagine are going to be addressed right there's a bunch of game breaking bugs right that that will that will fix but i'm reading here the uh skill up review of saints row and they're saying that there's it is absent of any coherent plot and starring an insufferable cast of characters which is obviously subjective but you know if it's riddled with bugs no coherent plot super annoying characters and if it's the core world design is boring An
0: outdated mechanics sad
1: yeah yeah i'm interested to see what those outdated mechanics are did i haven't even seen any gameplay of this did they release a ton of gameplay of what the game would look like leading up to its actual um, it hasn't
0: has, has released not already not a, yeah yeah it came out a couple of days ago i watched the um the ign review video review and it's like 10 yep. minutes long and it showed me everything that I needed to know um, that I, I was actually very lucky. Okay. Uh, very lucky. I woke up and I had like two notifications. One of them was, hey, um, Amazon just canceled your pre-order of this game because you used a card that you no longer have. Um. Okay. And the other one was like you sending me the Metacritic so yeah. before I um <laughs> before I switched it over, I um kind of just looked and I watched that review and it told me everything that I needed to know to know that in about. A month or so, we're gonna have like twenty copies of this at work, and they're gonna be twenty dollars. And I'm gonna, I'm yep. just gonna pick it up at twenty dollars.
1: <laughs> exactly. It's like me waiting for Cyberpunk to hit twenty. It's yeah. still rocking at thirty every single sale, <laughs> unless it's on PlayStation. But I want to play it on my computer because I have a good enough of a computer that could actually run it as I want it to. Mm. Um, yeah.
0: Well, Raven, that's three months. We'll have to
1: see and that's not even including like Sonic Frontiers had another trailer and it's actually looking better and better as they show off more and more gameplay debatably um well i mean they I, think just off look- their... I think it's looking. i think
0: it's looking finer and finer yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah well they showed off the uh the newest like the story trailer and in that they did it they showed that you're not just going to be in this very blank looking grass field yeah. area yeah. They showed off, like, traditional 2D Sonic platforming. They showed off a desert area that looked really, really, really pretty. Like, a forest watery area that looked great. Like, I was like, wow, whenever they don't have these giant grind rails in the air, it looks really nice. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I would dare say that's the case.
1: uh, They also announced the release date a week before Pokemon. And, like, the week, I think that God of War comes out that weekend, too.
0: Mm, yeah, it's, there's, there's a very stacked 2023. I can't wait till we get to our 2023 preview shows because so much stuff that was even on our 2022 preview shows is now on the 2023.
1: Yep. Yeah. Sorry, Sonic Frontiers, they announced they're releasing the day before God of War Ragnarok. Yeah. So, yeah, there's things are getting pushed back and that's pretty all right. I'm interested to... <laughs>
0: yep, exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> Raven, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Anytime, big dog. You Would you like me to tell where the people where they can find us?
0: I would love that.
1: They can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Making Fun Pod. They can find you, Casey, on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Casey on the Drums. They can find me, Raven, on Twitter at R-A-V-E Stadmiller. Uh, and they can find our podcast, like the one that they're currently listening to, wherever they listen to their podcasts. If you're already here, make sure you subscribe for updates. Uh, let us know uh, what Gabe, you're most disappointed in this year already. Mm-hmm. And um, also, while you're at it, please tell us who you are. Uh, big number, make brain go burr. <laughs> uh, well, folks, we will
0: talk to you next week, hopefully. And uh, until then, he is Raven Steadmiller. I'm Casey Johnson. Please do me a favor and go out and brighten someone's day.